Welcome back, guys. DGS 404. Time for the Think Tank. We have Kurt Barr and Braxton Payne, two guys who've been with us many, many times. Uh, Kurt just asked me, he goes, do you have a whole lemon in your drink? I'm like, yes, sir, I do. (laughs) Now I feel silly. I I don't know why I have a whole lemon, but I do. And then Rage goes, are we back into the lemon water phase? I'm like, damn. But from this angle, it doesn't even look like it's like cut up. It just looks like you just stuck it a hole in without even cutting it up. So it's just the skin you're getting in the water. I may try that. I may try that. Um, Okay. uh, To revisit a topic that we did uh, a few segments ago, uh, as you guys know, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, m- monitoring yourself, monitoring your own party, monitoring your own family, mon- you know, calling the, the Bobby Jones rule, calling the close ones against you, being critical of your own party as opposed to always looking across the fence. And I thought uh, that James Carville and Bill Maher did a good job of it here. I find the left to be just annoying. Exactly. They're, just, they're, they're more than just not important. It's just annoying Exactly. And the Western far left is habitually the most stupid, naive people you can imagine. And they come up with these really goofy constructs, and it's all about feeling feeling, feeling good about yourself. Yeah, well, just feeling, as opposed to, like, free speech. Like, if your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. So... Do you guys share my sentiment? Uh, do you feel any frustration about your own parties not doing enough of that? Yeah, I mean, I think think of the far left. They usually they don't live in uh, you know in reality sometimes. <laughs> and then the far right for me, a lot of times they live in their own reality. Well, so it's 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 extremely frustrating because I you know working in politics, you often get. Uh, jaded into what normal people think, and you you try to go to these picnics and stuff, and really actually talk to people. Uh, a lot of people that are on the far left, they only talk to people they agree with. Uh, one of the things that I my best friends are probably Republicans. You know, a lot of times we don't even really talk about politics. I heard you guys talking earlier. You guys get tired of everyone. You have to put it on your Twitter bio, things like that. I pretty much surround with start surround myself with people that don't talk about politics at all. And then they'll ask me questions, and yeah, it gets brought up sometimes, and I get the occasional jab here and there. But it's a lot of times that, you know, you see it sometimes exactly in, in city politics here in St. Louis City. You'll see that, you'll see the, them post on Twitter, they're hanging out, they're going to dinner with the same people that they they became Twitter friends with. And I think that's fine. I, I'm glad you found your people. Um, but it's like they only hang out with people that surround themselves with politics. And I have family on the other end that are Trump far right people and their own perception of reality is not rooted in one. First off, they will never even come to a Cardinals game, you know, because it's too, you know, too dangerous. Or I haven't asked a close family member of mine. He's like, well, you know, New York's really, really unsafe. And I I said, well, have you ever been? No. Will you ever go? No. Well, if you've ever actually been to New York in the past three, five years, it's, it's, safe. I mean, you can walk around anywhere. It's safer than most cities. So they just don't really, you know, they don't, they live out in rural areas. They don't really quite get it. And the problem is, is if you call them out, then you're, if I call it the the left side, then I'm a Republican. And if I call it the right side, you know, then I'm just, you know, I'm a huge liberal that will never understand any type of Republicans. Yeah. Kurt? So I think you guys did a really good job last hour Mm -hmm. talking about this when you're talking about, you know, the bumper stickers on the cars and this, this self-identifying so you can kind of like find your people without like, you know, necessarily talking to like the other group. And, you know, I have, I have seen that you get this 
tribalism within politics. And, you know, people want to say, okay, I'm with this group and whatever that group believes, it's kind of like the, like Andrew was talking about, like the Taylor Swift fans, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're whatever Taylor Swift is doing, that's what they believe at that moment. And then when she moves on, then they move on. And you see the same thing with different tribes within politics. Like, okay, we're with this guy, whether it's, it's Trump or AOC or whichever person it is, like, like we believe that as opposed to we have these standard principles. Mm -hmm. Um, But, the problem with that is, and I've actually seen this with with Jeff City. After I left the, the legislature, um, they, they had the, the Libus gift ban. So now, you know, the, the legislature can't get together with different associations and different different groups of Republicans, and Democrats, and and have these these joint meetings, these joint uh, receptions. And so the Republicans all hang out with the Republicans, and then the conservative Republicans hang out with themselves, and the moderate Republicans hang out hang out with themselves. And the same thing with Democrats, the progressives hang out with. And so now within the the social scene of Jeff City during the legislature. The, the legislatures aren't talking to each other as a whole body. They're, they're getting into their little echo chambers. And mm-hmm. from what I've talked to from my friends who are still there, the partisanship has gotten worse than just the last several years because everybody's getting more insulated into their tribes as opposed to listening to the other side and saying, hey, do you, wait, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that way? Why do you have that value? And then say, well, I have this value. I have this thought. I have this feeling. And you know, there's a lack of empathy if you don't talk to and, and even seek to understand the other person. Yeah. Actually, it's funny that you bring this up because I had a friend text me literally within the hour and he was talking about something that the press secretary had said today about how, you know, Biden has lowered costs across the board. And we all kind of know that that's not inflation. I mean, can we just agree that that's BS? I mean, you know, so being able to call out that, yes. And then if you read her full answer, she talks about policies that have over the course of the long run will like the Inflation Reduction Act. But the way that she answered the question, and I know you're not her biggest fan, mm-hmm. was was something that I, I can call it out. And he, one of the things that he said is like, you know, I'll try, I'll, I'll, I'll read exactly what he said. He said, all people want uh, to call out Trump's, or all Trump people want to call it Biden's BS, and all Trump's people want to, or all Biden's people want to call it Trump's BS. And that's all they want to do. They don't want to talk about any of their policies. This is somebody that's not really follow politics. And he also said, I just wanted to pick a fight today. Was his next text <laughs> when he texted out, you know, because he knows that I'll, yeah. I'll go back and forth with him. Yeah. But it's really interesting to me that. If you talk about, you know, all you want to do is point out that person's wrong, this person's wrong, and then you really don't talk about the things you actually have in common. And then, but then the people that have the loudest voices are always the people on the far extremes. And why does that? Number one, they care the most. And number two, those are the people that vote. So the politicians will placate to those sides because those are the people that will vote. And I will say one thing. You said Taylor Swift, and I was really afraid you were going to say something bad, and you were just going to get dragged <laughs> to the cold. Did, did you hear no, Andrew? Andrew, Andrew's Andrew already done in. for. Oh, no, I in the last heard segment, today. he called them yeah. locusts. Yeah, a swarm of locusts. Oh. Well, in a, in as a, a Swifty myself, I, I would say that's probably fair. In a specific – and I'm not talking about the – she has fans like Braxton. I count myself as a fan. Don't. Those are the normal. Oh, no. He's walking no, it back. No, no. He's Walking it those back. Are the, Andrew walk back. Those are the normal fans, <laughs> and then there are the locust fans <laughs> that come through. I'm Here's good. how I explained it, Braxton. Here's how I explained it. <laughs> they don't know ones. anything except Taylor Swift. So whenever she gets herself involved with like a new thing, she uh, 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 I just realized he's not wearing headphones, so he probably can't can hear, hear what I'm saying. Okay, cool. <laughs> Kevin's are up loud enough for okay, everyone. Okay, cool. So uh, they they will come through like a plague of locusts they learn about everything in real time you get to watch them learn about it right now it's they're learning about the chiefs and the questionable you know history of that branding that uh that you know mascot that labeling and they're like hey wait a minute this is kind of problematic and 
they learn they're learning about it way later than everybody else, but there are millions of them learning about it all at the same time. And that I, creates a very powerful I just force. want to point out something <laughs> truly amazing. Okay. And that is that Kurt and Braxton just broke down politically <laughs> how people will stay with like the far right and the middle right and you just did it about Taylor Swift <laughs> not ironically no. you're like you're like look I'm a moderate Swifty I'm just not one of those crazies I'm not a far left Swifty I can't believe that has happened in front of me <laughs> That's, that's nuts. <laughs> that's, that's actually brilliant when it's you think about it. Special skill. <laughs> oh man! You know what? They're like when when Kurt was talking, uh, or even when Andrew was talking. It never works out well when a belief system is built around one person, right? I mean, you can make arguments for religion, but I mean, other than that. When's the last time that, like, a, a, a country was built around one guy that it ended splendidly? It rarely does because people individually are inconsistent. And in my experience in reading my history books, typically when you can bring a whole nation around – and I'm talking not talking about great leaders, you know, like a George Washington who didn't even want to be president, tried very hard not to be. Uh, they tend to be megalomaniacs, right? As opposed mm-hmm. to a movement full of diverse people. Yeah. It, with with I get this question a lot is like, you know, you, you often as a Democrat, you you're supposed to defend the president Biden. You're supposed to, you know, do all of these things. And you'll see it in the polling. You'll see a lot of the enthusiasm's not there for Joe Biden. Well, he's not our Trump. You know, he, he never was. He hasn't been for 70 years or however long he's been in office. He's never been the Trump. So we don't need to def- we don't feel the need to defend him as a person. So, sure, some people are not as enthusiastic. But if you just take the policies, and if, especially if you just pull Democrats, the enthusiasm of the things he's passed and the things he supports is through the through the roof. I yeah. mean, he's been one of the most progressive presidents yeah. uh, that we've had in a long time. And I think if you just take the policies and, and take out the person, the enthusiasm from the Democratic Party is there. Yeah, every Democrat I know, uh, including my son who works with you, when uh, the whole Biden cr- crime family thing comes up, says, hey, if it's true, throw them all in jail, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's true, burn them. Yeah, it, uh, so it, it I, just I, doesn't really bother us. I don't, that, that is not like a talking point. I think and if you don't watch Fox News— you do not get that Biden crime family. You just don't. Like I, I mean, it took me almost 24 hours to learn that the Hunter Biden was, you know, took a plea deal. You know, I it wasn't even on my radar because first off, it's his son. Don't really care. Um, but it's just something that we don't even yeah. in, in, consume ourselves with. Uh, let's <clears throat> break early here. Give ourselves plenty of time on the other side. Tell you- 421 DJS, we have Kurt Barr and Braxton Payne here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this uh kerfuffle over the book at the St. Charles County Library. Not so much about this individual book. I think it's a a really interesting, it's almost like a law school exam question. Uh, Because from what I understand, and the book is is basically called like How to Have Sex Like a Porn Star, but it's not that clean. And it's available at St. Louis, uh, at St. Charles County Public Library. And uh, people want to remove it. And this morning on KMOX, the head of the library basically said there are 
uh, processes and that you have to file this and then we have to review this and that's the way you pull a book out. You just don't go grab it off the shelves and pull it out. Amy Mark scores was saying, look, it is pornography. There's no doubt about it. Uh, she's looked at it and, and this is 100% pornography. It's not just an adult-themed book. Uh, and I think you know, most of us agreed. Like when we heard what it was, like, yeah, that probably doesn't have a place in the public library. Um, and Rach made the point, and Rach is right here. She can make it again. But basically, uh, having a problem with a book is not being a book banner or a book burner. And we need to be smarter and more textured and subtle in our thinking. Otherwise, we will just go down that path of, oh, now you're wanting to pull the books and X, Y, Z. So I don't know how much you guys know about this issue or if you wanted to comment on it, but I wanted to open it up to you. Well, being from my my county, so, I mean, my first thought is, you know, the, the, the library has a due process process for removing books that are found to be objectionable. Which and makes so, a lot of sense. Which makes me. which makes a lot of sense. And, of course, I immediately, you know, equate that to elections. You know, elections have a lot of processes to make sure that they're secure and accurate and, and fair. But most people don't know what our processes are, so they assume there are no processes. <laughs> and I'm seeing a similar thing here where most people don't even know that the library has this this appeal process to say, hey, this is an objectionable book. It should be removed from the public library. And I do think you're absolutely right that to not provide a book at the library is not the same thing as to have a, a ban on you know, books in general. Um, and so I think this is a good learning opportunity for people to realize, hey, there is a process. The, 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 the public library system is a, a public uh, institution. And just go through the, the, the correct paths to say, hey, this is an objectionable book and it should be taken off. Now, then the next question can then be, OK, public library in St. Charles County, like who made this choice to have this particular book here? We don't have every single book printed in the world in our libraries. So somebody had to make a choice to put it here. So what was the, the rationale there? So then the next question can be, hey, what is your acquisition process? And should that be reexamined? Um, but, you know, this is a book where you can say, well, it's not kind of like a, a questionable book. It's a it's not a political book. This is, you know, most well, people say Chris Ranji's point a few hours ago was, well, you know, what this is, though, this is just a, they get their toe in. Then they're going to want a bunch of other books. And evidently, uh, Wheels, there's another book that's more of a sex ed kind of book. Uh, that pediatricians have said and, this can be helpful for so, so the, some people. So the classic yeah. slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. It, first off, the person that put it there probably just wants a better marriage. I mean, they were reading it for themselves. But I think, <laughs> I think one, of, one of the things that I What a good at, point. They probably didn't put it there as a trap for children. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. I mean, it, it could easily be a lapse in judgment or a bad decision. Right. Yeah. But that can be. Nobody put it there to indoctrinate children. I mean, it was it probably was a misstep. Probably somebody that read it themselves and donated it. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I look at in these situations is not so much about the actual situation, but the process of when, when these people noticed the book, how they got to these meetings, and how they became so riled up. It's In my experience in politics, it's usually about 99% of the time never organic. There's usually an overarching either think tank or group behind it that is going to drive these narratives in order to get votes in the next election. You saw it with COVID and the mask. You saw it with Black Lives Matter. You saw it with abortion and uh, Brown v. versus education in the 1960s. And so it's these, you know, usually typically because I mean, they're well-organized and well-funded conservative think tanks that they're not in line with maybe mainstream thought or think they might lose an election that think we can turn in wedge, wedge issues into the next thing. And you're already seeing it with, you know, legislators 
burning, you know, doing flamethrowers. They weren't burning books, but they were, you know, the flamethrowers and things like that. But it's becoming now a talking point and you're hearing it over and over again. And especially like I was mentioned earlier, my conservative friends, you're hearing this as a conservative talking point over and over and over again. This is not something that just becomes organic. First off, if you l- watch the local news, the people that they interview, I don't know you know, how many times they actually go to the library and read a book. Um, but what the thing is, is like they don't just show up by accident. They didn't just I mean, I think in this situation, the guy did stumble upon this book. But it's happening not just in St. Charles County. It's happening all across the country. You can just Google it. Um, so I'm more concerned that this is going to become this is not just a one day Camel X news story. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a, continu- a continuous beat of the drum, just like the school board elections. They, you know, so th- I think their next thing they wanted to take over school board elections. They're going to want to take over library districts, and it's just something. That, and then what happens to the, those people that are on school boards and library districts? They become state reps. They become state senators. They become governors. So it's a way to kind of I, I think it's a broader issue that yeah. we're going to see. This is what had me like so kind of hacked off about it earlier is it feels like a stunt like if you just follow the process you you file the paperwork that's necessary if it fails then you make the noise like hey Mm -hmm. we objected to this these people didn't agree this is why this is bad but they went from zero to a hundred instead of just going to that because then if you do the right thing and the library looks at and goes whoop Probably shouldn't have that one out there. We'll take it out. You're all good. Good. Thanks for raising that. Well, now it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a big demonstration at a board meeting. Yeah. It's just a complaint that was honored. Yeah. And, and, and you, you often hear it here, especially from the right. And I think you hear it from the left is, is parents want the choice and what how they educate their children. The public library is one of the best assets we have in this country to bring your children to and to get them educated. If you want to take part in that process, fine. But you don't have to choose to check out certain books like the pediatrician's book and those things. You, you can choose not to. And so that's why I don't understand the argument from the right. They now want big government when it's convenient for them. Very interesting. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. 442 DGS. So breaking news, and we're going to treat it like breaking news because we don't have all the details. But basically, a judge in New York, uh, one of the civil cases that the state of New York has brought against uh, the Trump Organization alleging fraud, basically alleging that the Trump Organization inflated its worth when that was advantageous and then uh, acted like they didn't have any money when it came to taxes, you know, they're not the first to do that. Uh, and and uh, the judges ruled against Trump org and wheels. What do we know right now? So it was pretty it's a pretty broad ranging suit. Right. So this wasn't a complete ruling on the whole thing. Yeah. But they, this judge was asked by Trump's lawyers to throw it all out, like just summary judgment in their favor. He did not. He declined to do that, but did seemingly provide a summary judgment on certain issues and left others that will be part of the trial that will be upcoming. So it's not it's not complete, uh, but there's part of this that's getting a lot of attention. And I'm having a hard time because this is relatively new finding legal opinions about what it actually means. Um, But the judge said that it was uh, I'm going to find the exact quote. Uh, But the judge said that, quote, the documents here clearly contain fraudulent valuations that defendants used in business and went on to order that. Uh, the New York business certificates for these defendants, which were Donald Trump, his his adult sons, it, obviously not Barron, but his adult sons. I don't think it mentioned uh, Ivanka, but uh, maybe it does. But it says that the defendants' New York business certificates need to be canceled and said that within 10 days they must recommend potential independent receivers to manage the dissolution of the canceled LLCs. 
there are people on social media that are saying this means that the judge ordered that Trump org be dismantled. I don't know that that's true. The wording is not as clear to me because I'm not a lawyer in the actual ruling. But obviously, we'll get that analysis here in the coming days, probably in the next 10 hours. Not good news for the Trumps. Sounds like it's not, at least in this case. I'm sure there's an ability to appeal it. So that's probably not the end of it. But I've never done criminal law, but I'm surprised that that set of facts that the judge is ruling on is not a foundation for a criminal charge. You would think that, you know, people are charged with white collar crime all the time doing things like that. Uh, you know, shenanigans with their their worth and their bank accounts and fraud. I I, I wonder. And since New York obviously uh, has no love for the Trumps, uh, I wonder why they didn't charge him criminally. We'll get Chad on or Brad on tomorrow and we'll flesh it all out. I do think that a part of this is that they're recommending charges be brought. Ah, uh, but I'm not. I mean, that's I saw that again. I saw that on somebody's post. Gotcha. on Twitter. So I don't want to take that as if it's absolute fact. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we'll take a quick break here and we'll come back and we will do, uh, some audio. We have Cardinals baseball tonight. I missed it last night. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to miss it a lot. Uh, uh, Are you going to watch now now that you've had your, your love affair with the game kind of picked back up? Are you going to watch the playoffs? I will. Yeah. Yeah, I will. In fact, I thought my son needed to be hospitalized about a year ago because he told me that he would watch old games from the seventies. And I'm like, you need to talk to an, an old priest <laughs> yeah. and a young priest. They're kind of fun because they're, they're so different. They're kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. And and now I can just sort of, and it's it's great background. If there's a baseball game, I don't care who wins. Right. This is kind of great, great background. I agree. 452 DGS. So the Cardinals have made an official wheels. Uh, Adam Wainwright has pitched his last game for the Cardinals. Yep. He is not going to go again. Uh, so that. 200th win, the yeah. seven shutout innings, that's going to be the way he goes out, which we talked about at the time. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to go out. I agree. And totally agree. Ali Marmel confirmed that earlier today. So about, I think about a half an hour ago, he confirmed that. Uh, and then since then, Wainwright spoke to the reporters that were down there, and he basically said, no second thoughts, nothing. This is that good call. And yeah. some there's still some buzz about whether or not he might get in at bat at home against the Reds this weekend. Because for a pitcher, he was a really good hitter. Yeah. Throughout his career, he was a really good hitter. And he's always joked about wanting to do it against who, who knows. Maybe maybe his swan song this weekend yeah. will be getting in that bat. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, I've heard uh, or seen some – we've talked about uh, is Adam Wainwright a Hall of Fame level pitcher? And you guys had said, like, ah, really not so much. But I've been seeing more articles, at least on yeah. my phone, yeah. talking about that. It's closer than people think. Right, I mean, it, it's not a lock. There's no. It's it would be one of those things going to take some time, and people are going to have to really dig in on it to make what a do case. They typically, look at for pitchers. Well, that's the problem. Is the standard is changing? It's always been wins. It's like always, but that wins, earned run average, things like that. But the way we evaluate players has changed so much in the last five, ten years that it's now a little bit more about how do you compare to your peers, and we have better numbers for that. So things like wins above replacement, or for a pitcher. Uh, something like ERA plus, which is your ERA relative to the league. So it takes into account, is it a, is it a high scoring error or a low scoring error? And it kind of rates you compared to your peers. Um, so when you look at some of those, he does kind of match up with some Hall of Famers, hmm. but not with others. So if you wanted to make a comp, the comp that you want to make for Adam Wainwright, if you're arguing for him being in the Hall of Fame, is Jack Morris. 
Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer. It took a long time to get in. I believe he was a Veterans Committee choice as well, not of voting, not getting in on the vote. Uh, but they were they were similar in a lot of ways. Morris pitched more innings because you did in the 80s and 90s than you do now, and he didn't have as many injuries as Wayno. But when you look at their performance relative to the time that they played, they're similar. Yeah, Similar finishes in the Cy Young race, right? Like neither one of them won the Cy Young, but they were close a bunch of times. You know, Jack Morris has a little bit more of the sexy postseason resume because yeah. he pitched like 10, 11 innings in a playoff Snell game and stuff get like the that. Cy Young? <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> it's, the National League Cy Young is really hard. Zach Gallen might get it. Some of it might even come down to what happens this week. 